Oh, my sainted trousers. It's the Doctor Who podcast. The Pandorica has opened about 48 hours ago, to be precise. And what precisely was the reaction from the fans about this episode? Was it the best episode yet? Was it the worst episode yet? Was it the most confusing episode yet? Well, hopefully Trev and I can sift through the feedback that's been posted on the forums and try and make a little bit of sense of what you, the fans, think of this episode. Welcome to episode 29 of the Doctor Who Podcast. It's a great pleasure to be with you again today and, of course, to have James in the studio as well. Hello, James. Hello, Trev. How are you doing? It'll just be you and me today to uh, have a bit of a sift through the uh, fan reaction to the Pandorica Opens and see what you guys out there thought of this episode. Um, Certainly getting to the very meaty business end of the season now, so uh, speculation ahoy and uh, what's going to happen for the rest of the season which of course is only one more episode after this it's it's really so hard to believe that we're so so close to the end of the season no i'd agree with you trevor this this season feels to me as if it's gone past in a blink of an eye um it's it's been 13 episodes the same as any of the others but it doesn't feel like 12 weeks ago when we were sitting down um, watching the eleventh hour, it just feels you know much much uh, sooner than that. It does, doesn't it? I mean, it, I mean, we've we've just done so many episodes of the DWP, so it really should <laughs> seem longer. But it's just so much shorter, and I think that's a testament to what a fantastic season this has been. Um, just so different can, compared to the RTD era, and um, it's still thrown up a lot of the interesting questions about what is the whole season is about. But I think we've, we've been presented with a lot more intelligent ways of analysing this season. Certainly Tom has opened my eyes on various occasions about things I really should be noticing about uh, this particular season and the events of it. No, I agree once again. And uh, it's interesting. We've been analysing these episodes now, you and I, Trev, for, for some time. And this is the first time I've actually gone through a, an entire season and made notes on every single episode, knowing that I'm going to chat to you and Tom about it. <laughs> and, of course, I'm, you know, I'm fairly used to you now, Trev. We've known each other for quite a while. Uh, but Tom, you know, he, he's relatively new. He's come on board and he's come on board with such a fresh view of Doctor Who. And now that he's not here, because clearly I wouldn't want to say this if he was here, it has surprised me how right he's been about so <laughs> many things. It's, it's been infuriating, I have to say. But the way that he watches this program, I think, differs vastly uh, from the way you and I approach it, because he notices things that I automatically disagree with when he says them. Then when I go back and rewatch it, I think, oh, bugger, he's right. Mm, and again... Mm. Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Tom isn't here, actually, at the moment, is because he's too busy, you know, practicing his I'm right, I'm right dance. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure I could take any more of that. But I think we're going to have to, you know, after episode 13 airs, we'll be just saying, Tom, 
you're right again. But it has actually been an honour, you know, discussing it with him and uh, as it is always, always with you. Hi, Trev, Marty and Tom and everybody listening to the Doctor Who podcast. Adam here from the 20 Megabyte Doctor Who podcast. You made me interrupt your show after you were talking about Rory having apparently always been an Auton. What? (laughs) I think you got that bit wrong. Now, from what I saw from the episode, what actually happened and was quite well explained was that Rory died. All the Autons were created from Amy's imagination in a way. If you remember, River went in the house, saw all those bits and pieces, and they were all characters that they'd met in the Roman world from Amy's mind, including Rory. Rory is, in that world, an Auton, but not real. It's not the Rory that the Doctor and Amy knew. So, unfortunately, lads, the Rory that died was human. The new Rory is Auton. Okay. Before we get into talking about the Pandorica Opens, uh, the final ratings for The Lodger are now in, and it was the uh, seen by 6.44 million viewers. So that's uh, 5.98 over on BBC One, and an additional 0.464 million, that seems very precise, over on BBC HD, which gives us our total of just under 6.5 million. So any comments on that? To me, this seems a little bit low compared to what I thought would have been the uh, normal upward slide back up. <sighs> back into better ratings at, at this time of the season. I, I don't know. Uh, as you know, I have real difficulty getting enthusiastic about these figures. Um, and I think, in all fairness, we can't read that much into them anymore. We used to be able to. I think, given the fact that TV viewing figures and audiences are on a decline anyway, fewer people are watching television, then it's, it's probably far more important to look at the audience share figures to see whether or not you know just the same proportion of people who are watching television at any one time are watching Doctor Who. Um, Compared to previous episode statistics it's not particularly good. Um, You you can think about you know you can try and take the football into account and that's something certainly in the UK that is 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 massive Um, but I I don't know i I'm not particularly bothered about it. I think the audience appreciation index figures are consistently high. So um, can I read too much into them? No, not really, I don't think. Well, maybe you can read a little bit into the appreciation figures for uh, the Pandorica Opens. It's got the highest AI of the season so far, 88, which I think even eclipses 11th hour, which only got 87, I believe. Yeah, it does. It's it's the highest AI of the entire season, as was the Lodger, actually, um, at the time of broadcast. That was 87. So, yeah, out of all of 12 episodes so far, the penultimate episode has been the one that people watching it have enjoyed the most, which is as it should be, really. I mean, it mightn't seem like there's much difference between 87 and 88 or 86 and 88, but I was reading something about it recently, and even that small of an incremental increase is like a massive positive value for any show. Uh, Like a show that gets below, say, 82 is considered, I suppose in some circles, as poor and and has failed. So any show that gets 85, 86, 87, 88 and and upwards is incrementally more considered um, to have done really, really well. So 88 is, is, is a fantastic figure. Yeah, anything from 85 upwards, um, yeah, there's, a, there's a big, big difference between 85 and 86, um, and therefore 80, 
86 to 87 and so on. But anything over 85 is considered excellent. So we're just talking about varying degrees of how excellent it was. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you what, can, can we try and make these stats sections a little bit more interesting? Trevor, what's going to be the AI index score for episode 13? I'm always of the opinion when it comes to AI and and uh, viewing figures that the viewing figures are more indicative of the previous episode that screened. Agreed. And Agreed. whether it gets interest of people actually watching for the next week. So if we look at the interest in this week, which got the highest rating so far this season of 88, um, I'm really tipping that maybe we might even get an 89. I mean, I know that is quite large, but I think the AO mm. might be 89. Um, the Pandorica Opens got 5.9 million viewers in their overnight figures for the episode. So I'm thinking the interest is going to be even more there, and I think we might even tip the 8 million mark for the uh, season finale. It's possible. I certainly agree with you about the audience figures being a reflection on the previous week's episode. I've always thought that uh, to be the case. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Audience appreciation index. Yeah, I think we're going to see you know close on nineties for the last one, perhaps. So I, I seem to remember Journey's End's got a very high audience appreciation index, and I can't remember the precise number now, but it may have been nineteen ninety one, something like that. See, this is when you need the guys from Radio Free Scaro because they they really <laughs> do the stat section professionally, as <laughs> because I think they're genuinely interested in them. <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But finales have always done very well, even when fans have reacted quite badly to them. Um, throughout the you know the wider viewing community, they've always been fairly well received. I think that uh, if you notice at the end of the episode, just before the TARDIS is uh, allegedly exploding, River Song opens the doors and there's a sort of stone wall in front of her. I think she's actually materialised inside the Pandorica and the Doctor will then do something with the TARDIS console to avert the uh, explosion at that time. Um, as far as him appearing with his sleeves rolled up and jacket on... I'm pretty sure where he's clamped into that seat, his, his uh, sleeves are actually rolled up anyway. So I think Tom's right. Anyway, cheers. I had a quick look at the forums to see what the fans out there have, have rated the episode. And I think pretty predictably they've uh, voted the Pandorica Opens very, very highly on the uh, Gallifrey Base forums. The top rating, of course, was 10. That got nearly 50% of the vote. And I think over 95% of the uh, voters rated it a 7 or above and it's a pretty similar situation over at DWO. They've had uh, four or 500 voters so far. Their top rating was five out of five. And I think it was something like 85 or 90% voted a three or above. And again, similar to, at, at our own forums at the uh, DWP website, um, everyone seems to have gone just a little bit gaga over Pandorica Opens and uh, given it our top rating on the site, which is uh, five out of five. So... Yeah, um, everyone seems to love it, but I think they're loving the fact more that even more is going to be revealed um, in the Big Bang next week. It's just going to hopefully bring closure to a lot of the questions. Now, what do they think out there? What have they mm. said? James, have, have you had any insight into um, some of the questions the, the, the fans out there have been posing about Pandorica Opens? Well, not, not so much questions but lots of lots of feedback it's been difficult to find anything that really stands out i think from the 
from the general consensus, which, as you've already said, within the um, the, the, the poll section has been very, very positive. Um, you do get the occasional person who you think is probably just trying to make a point by being contrary. But there, there are a couple of genuine questions, I think, that are being raised about, you know, how good this episode really is. Um, and and let's, let's focus on people who are posting on our forums, first of all. Mm. And um, a, a regular poster, both on the forums, and he sends in some audio feedback, and we're going to be hearing um, some in a little while. Um, chap called, well, his username is Merck. I think his real name is Mark. See what he did there? It's quite good, that. Yeah, very um, clever. Ingenious, <laughs> even. <laughs> um, he says, earlier in the series, the Doctor says, I'm most definitely a madman in a box. He then goes on to say, well, of course, the Pandorica is a box. So has this line got a little bit more meaning than we originally thought? Because clearly his original line is referring to the TARDIS. And I thought that was quite interesting. Um, he also goes on to say, uh, possibly a silly question, but people are saying it's the cyber cybermen. I'm unclear as to how they can tell. Can anyone enlighten me? And I think we can do that, can't we? Is is you trying to say that he's confused about whether it's a cyber cyberman? I think he's trying to say that the cyberman that we saw in the Pandorica opens was the same kind of cyberman that we saw created by the Lumic Corporation in Age of Steel and Rise of the Cyberman back in series two, I think. It was the alternative universe yeah, yeah, where yeah. Um, Pete well, I, was, was I, in. I don't see the problem. Yes, they are. Right, but if that was an alternative world or an alternative universe and this isn't why haven't we got the fully fledged genuine cybermen that we knew and loved prior to that story didn't one of the tenant stories have the cybermen come into our universe anyway doomsday yes you're doomsday you're talking about the finale to series two but again they did come into a universe but they came in from the alternative universe well is is it then they went back again is it then crazy to say that some didn't make it back yes Okay, it is, obviously. At the the end of Doomsday, all the Daleks and all of the Cybermen got sucked back into the void. I seem to remember that in that episode we saw lots of CGI Daleks rushing back into the void, but there wasn't a lot of Cybermen. And is this the same universe, anyway? Is this the same universe as the universe that we saw in Doomsday? No, okay, well that's getting very (laughs) deep for me, I'm afraid. No, no. It, it is. It's, it's funny, I didn't actually expect that conversation to go on that long, just from the <laughs> one line. But, so, but I think in the way that we can identify these, Mark, um, these Cybermen as being cyber-Cybermen, is the fact that they've got a C on their chest, and that gives them away. That was the corporate branding of the Cybers organization. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you've opened up a can of worms there that we haven't really managed to discuss and sort out properly. We'll have to do a podcast in the off-season about the um, the lineage of the Cybermen. That sounds will, quite interesting. We will, won't we? Actually, we'll have to get Tom on board for that one. <laughs> <laughs> there was one thing you mentioned there that you, you were finding feedback, I suppose, difficult to find for this particular episode. And, and, and I kind of felt that way earlier because I had a look earlier this week and I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm going to be not really be ringing much to the table for this episode because <laughs> everyone seems to be holding back. Everyone seems to be holding their collective forum posting breath. Really? Not, not really. I've got to be honest. I found feedback you know, very easy to find. The problem was trying to find a slightly unique opinion because everybody seems to you know, love it completely. Um, yeah, well, that's, but no, the, no. that's the kind of thing I'm saying that, when when we do these episodes, we, we look for stuff that will make interesting talking about. Mm. And for all the other episodes we've done of this, it's, it's been relatively easy. But 
I think people really are holding back because I think, like we said in episode 28, um, a lot more is going to get revealed in the Big Bang. And it's one of those awful first part of two-part syndrome type of things that, uh, yeah. that, that, that we're not no, getting all the answers <laughs> just yet. No, I, I, I'm not too sure. Um, possibly. I haven't seen anyone explicitly say I'm not going to decide whether I like this episode before I've seen the finale, which I have seen in the past in previous seasons, and I completely don't subscribe to that view. I think that's a cop-out, in you know, the ma massive, massive cop-out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, opinions is there. It's, uh, it, it's just difficult to find any dissenting voices, really. Um, I do have someone else from um, our forums, and I think I've read out this chap's feedback before. He generally makes some very good points. This is from Ross Bennett, and he says, um, he's, he goes back, actually, a little bit. It's not talking about this particular episode. He goes back to the 11th hour, and he's focusing on the whole of this series, really, having a fairy tale undertone. And I think we talked as far back in our discussion of episode one about how kind of fairy tale it felt um, we, we saw Bracewell the resolution to victory of the Daleks was very fairy tale it was a kind of you know emotion love wins out that was replicated again in the lodger um, and he's saying that yeah the whole the whole series really has that kind of feel um, and he, he takes it to a new level and I like this it's um are you familiar with Winnie the Pooh um, Trev yeah 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 you are, yeah. Well, me too, and I'm getting back into it again now, reading it to all of my, reading it to my <laughs> little girl. Um, but do you remember the um, scene or the story, really, the Pooh, where Tigger is tasting all manner of different foods and is saying, "Oh, Tiggers love honey. That's what Tiggers love the best." Then he has honey and then spits it straight out. Yeah, it doesn't like it. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Now, how, now, what Ross is asking is how influenced Stephen Moffat was by that particular Winnie the Pooh story in the 11th hour with the food spitting out. So, again, it's not directly relevant to the Pandora Opens at all. It's more of a, a point concerning the whole feel of the series. But I thought that was a great comparison and it really made it smart. I think it's a perfect comparison because I think we can draw direct parallels between the Doctor being trapped in the Pandorica to Winnie the Pooh getting his hand caught in that tree stump trying to get the honey. Out. I, I, I think there are obvious in-your-face parallels to that. And brilliant, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So all we need to wait for now is a heifer lump to come out of the Pandora <laughs> Cup with, with the Doctor as well. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, I don't know. If, if anybody else has any theories about how linked Doctor Who is or this season of Doctor Who is with Winnie the Pooh, then please do send them in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right, that doesn't really focus at all on the Pandorica, but I wanted to read that one, Trevor. I thought that was quite funny. Right, moving on to the Doctor Who online forums. Um, taken a few messages or parts of messages, seemingly at random. The Doctor missing the obvious is not funny. His re-meeting of Rory is not funny and not serious and not dramatic, and it is overdone. It's poorly played by both Matt Smith and the actor who plays Rory. That's Arthur Darville, I think. I've been one of Matt's biggest offenders, even when the scripts suck, and this one sucks. But in this, so does he. What should have been a dramatic moment is wasted by the script and the actors. It's played matter-of-fact. No emotion, no class, no feeling. And it just is, of course... Oh, sorry. my goodness. It just is, and of course, we don't know why. Now, for me, that is the only piece of negative feedback I've been able to find in about 20 to 25 minutes of searching the internet. Um, I don't agree with this poster in the slightest. That no, was one particular no. scene that I really, really enjoyed. I will agree partly with him that at the beginning of the scene, 
I really expected it to be a dramatic scene like, like this poster did that um, Rory was found again, or yes, he is alive. Oh my goodness. But they played the scene for laughs and I went with it. And by the end of the scene, I was really enjoying it. I think one of the most wonderfully comic things I've seen this whole season is the doctor pushing Rory back with his finger. <laughs> Arthur Darwell yes. and his perfect comic timing, just leaning backwards and then forwards again. That was absolutely brilliant. Um, so I, I went with that scene in the end, but I didn't think it was going to be like that. That um, when, when Rory showed up, I thought it might have been an oh my goodness moment, but it was a let's play it for laughs. And it really worked for me, I'm afraid. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I've seen a few other comments um, where people have said that they really enjoyed that. And I think it's quite unusual for the Doctor to interact with a character that is so drippy um, rather than... <laughs> You know, another character who would say, Doctor, it's me. Hello. Could you stop running around, please? And Rory just sits there and waits, tries to get his words out in between uh, Matt Smith's breaths. And it, mm. it, I think it just worked perfectly. And when the Doctor kind of looked away and said, Ah, oh, Rory, um, how have you been? I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. I thought that was to, to me, it fitted in perfectly with the stuff he was doing during the Lodger that, that it, it really drove home to me that we now have a doctor that, and I think it comes back to what you mentioned about what Chip said in his podcast over at Two Minute Time Lord, that Matt Smith is the opposite to the human doctor of the Tenant era, that we have a doctor now that doesn't know how to act with people, doesn't know how to interact with commonplace people. And the stuff in The Lodger showed that, and I think that scene with Rory showed that, that here's this guy who's suddenly alive again. And... He's embarrassed. He just doesn't know how to interact, which is just so unlike any other doctor. But now that I'm on board with um, the 11th doctor being like this, that he is someone who is the direct opposite to the tenant doctor, then it's it's really, really good scene. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think since um, since they finished recording the whole of this series, Matt Smith's been interviewed a few times and he's he said that he feels his strongest performances were in the second half of the season, which is quite strange really, given that they record out of order, you know, they, they record so much out of order now. It's not just a case of, you know, one half of a season, another half of a season. Mm. Um, I, would, I would agree with him to a point. I think he's been more consistent in the second set of episodes, if you like, if you can go up towards perhaps episode six and from Amy's Choice onwards this characterization has been quite consistent I think um, and yeah occasionally they turn up the eccentricity levels as they did in the lodger but I'm very comfortable with the doctor that we're now seeing in well what, that we saw at the weekends and I think that characterization is what we're going to see in season six as well Absolutely. and I'm, I'm much more comfortable um, with with his character, I like the way Chip did analyse, um, you know, the reasons for the Doctor's massive change in the way that he's he's acting and the way he responds to people, the way he interacts socially. Uh, and again, if you really want to go and hear a deep, in depth, intelligent uh, podcast about Doctor Who, go and listen to Chip's Two Minute Time Lord mm. uh, rather than ours, perhaps. But um, <laughs> you know. Chip actually left some Twitter uh, feedback saying that, um, you know, that I don't love him anymore because I told him that he needed to get out more. And basically, I'm just jealous that you can come up with all of these wonderful theories, Chip. That's all. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> right, 
Right, moving on to our final piece of forum feedback then. Um, one question that hasn't been addressed yet, this chap says. Who or what attacked the underhenge? An Auton? And what is it doing there? And I suppose that's quite a good question, really. We don't know why the Cybermen were decimated or headless um, by the time the viewer arrived. Um, yeah, any thoughts on that one, Trev? I, don't know, I, I was quite happy with the Doctor's explanation in that story, actually, that a, that, that a large bearded Celt had a go at it. Um, <laughs> that the Cyberman <laughs> was wandering around upstairs in, in the actual henge and that, um, you know, Asterix or Obelix wandered by and... Lopped his, head, lopped his head and arm off, I suppose. I don't know. Really? I know he does say that the Roman legionaries are one of the most you know, fearsome forces in the universe, which I thought was interesting when you compare it to Daleks and Santarans and Cybermen, etc. But are we really saying that you know, a barbarian was able to you know, disable a Cyberman that, that much? Oh, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't we, know. Well, we, we've already had quite aptly demonstrated that the Cybus Cybermen really aren't a patch on what <laughs> the classic series Cybermen that, you know, you know, the Daleks regarded them with almost casual disdain. And they aren't particularly that, um, I mean, they aren't really like a fighting machine, really. They're, they're just more a survival unit in, in, in the more purest sense. So I can probably see perhaps that um, some ancient person had a go at the Cyber Cybermen and disabled <laughs> it, perhaps. Um, really? Because I, yeah, I, I I just don't think that the Cybus ones are anywhere near as um, versatile or as strong as the uh, classic series ones, and and that's even been shown during the uh, Tenant era, where the uh, Cybermen and the Daleks faced off against each other, and the Cybermen were dispatched quite quickly. Mm, yeah, I'm 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 not so sure. I I think I would have to try and give that a little bit more thought, but I don't really see... I, I think because actually the intention is supposed to be the opposite. I think these Cybermen are supposed to be really convincing, you know, um, Cybermen. They're meant to be very strong. Even the sound effects that are put over their marching is supposed to be that much more intimidating. And yet when you look at some of the Cybermen out of Revenge of the Cybermen or Silver Nemesis, um, you know, they're not particularly convincing robots. They are men in silver suits. Um, who are particularly prone to, you know, even a catapult being fired at them. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so that's, uh, so that's, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. Yeah, that's that's later series classic Cybermen, I suppose, where all you had to do was have like a gold lolly wrapper and, you know, you could ward off a Cyberman. But you you compare the original, say, black and white Cybermen compared to the Cybus ones, and, and I don't think there's really any comparison because I think the Cybus ones are a survival unit created by a human, Whereas the the Cybermen units are more towards a battle machine, and they're also created by technologically advanced aliens, um, which which I think the Mondasians were as as compared to Earthlings. So, I, I think there is a big difference between the two. Yeah, maybe uh, it would be interesting to see whether or not the anomaly between the two kinds of Cybermen is actually ever addressed. And uh, I, I think it's a story waiting to be told. Mm. And perhaps then, you know, we've got some definitive things to talk about there as well, as opposed mm. to just us guessing. Well, that, for our it. last thing this episode, we've we've got a little bit more feedback, but it's a little bit different. We ask you guys uh, to send in your thoughts on what the Big Bang was going to be all about, what the end of the season was going to have in store. Now. Um, normally we'd have like a kooky theory of the week here, but it's really hard to tell at this stage of the season whether the feedback we've received from you guys is 
actually really a kooky theory or whether it's actually going to come true because uh, there's just so much evidence that you can base your opinions on that we don't really want to put the podcast in the position of saying, ha-ha, you're wrong, when you know, in less than three or four days you could be absolutely right. So what, what we're going to do is <laughs> is is we're going to play these few bits of feedback here that dwell upon possibly what next week will be about. There's, there's no real spoilers in it because it's not actually telling you what's happening. It's just what you guys are thinking is going to happen. So, so please enjoy this. And if you've got any thoughts on it, um, send it into the usual address, feedback at the doctorpodcast.com. Oh, my name is Hamish Scott. Um, I'm from Glasgow and I'm sending in a theory for what might happen in the series finale. It's a bit far-fetched, but anyway. Well, when I was looking at the cast for episode 13, I noticed that one of the roles, it was currently unconfirmed what the role was, was played by Philip Madoc, who played several roles in the classic series. I think it was four. Uh, perhaps most importantly, the Warlord from the War Games and Solon, who was from The Brain of Morbius. Um, now... At the end of the war games, the Time Lords were removing the Warlord and the rest of his species from history. And that's the similar effect to what the Cracks are doing. So I was wondering if that might have a connection. It's, and if you... Because presumably when they were taken by the crack, they would have to go somewhere. Uh, the Big Finish audio Neverland actually shows people being taken out of history using something called Oubliette of Eternity and sent into a universe of anti-time, which I, well, I wouldn't put it past Moffat to bring the spin-off material into it, but be a bit surprised, honestly. But I was wondering if the cracks could possibly be two-way, so people who had already escaped, from, who had already been erased from history could possibly get back via them. don't know. I just found that interesting when I the cast list. Well, I honestly don't know what's going to happen, but that's a possibility of what might happen. Good day to you, gentlemen. It's Mark. I was going to review the Pandora Code, but I was away from home, and so by the time I got around to it, the podcast did come out, and I hear that you're looking for predictions. So, here are mine. To be honest, I don't think I'm going to be able to predict all of it. I don't quite know how they're going to bring Amy back in a satisfying way, although they will. Um, I've got a feeling that Rory will stay in it somehow. Um, yeah. Now, the main prediction, the Doctor. I really think that Tom is going to be doing the little Snoopy dance. I do think, and I have thought for a while, that Trev and James were mistaken in taking the shall we say, the continuity error position. To be honest, I can't think of any linear way in which everything could be resolved. The Doctor's locked up in this super secure box and short of a Dalek taking pity on him, how's he going to get out? River Song is supposedly blown up and Amy's dead. Rory's an Orton and a bit wet. So how's it going to be resolved? Now, the only thing I can really come up with could qualify as a kooky theory. The Doctor lets himself out. How does that happen? Well, the future Doctor, the released Doctor, the one that's already out, lets himself out. The version that's then been let out has to go back in time wearing a jacket to prompt Amy to do a few things, to prompt himself to do a few things, and puts things in place in order that 
he can come back and let himself out. Yeah. I'm sure it'll work. I really do. And then he goes on his merry way and everything's all right. The end. Christmas special. Off we go. Hi, my name's Neil from China, and uh, I'd just like to weigh in with my thoughts about uh, what will happen in episode 13. I actually think that the big reveal next week will be that Amy Pond and River Song, they are the one and the same person. I think we will learn about history and time being rewritten, and I think what's going to happen is we're going to see Amy's future rewritten, or maybe just explained. I couldn't help but remember in, in the episode with Vincent Van Gogh when Vincent is walking along the road to the church and he says to Amy that he can hear the song of her sadness. I know it's too cliche but it, I think there might be a connection there. Going all the way back to episode one, the doctor says to, to the seven-year-old Amy that he'd like to meet her mother and of course in episode five, Flesh and Stone, we remember that uh, he comes back to tell Amy what that to remember what he said when she was seven, but then he slowly retracts it because he doesn't want to give too much away. I think that when River meets Amy, she never tells her that they are the same person because she doesn't want to uh, spoil her future. It's also quite possible that River doesn't actually know that she is Amy, that maybe that she has been she has forgotten what has happened in her past or maybe something or someone will make her make a choice about her future that re results in her forgetting her past the other thing i picked up on in episode 12 was that river says to the doctor that she knows she learned how to fly the tardis because he taught her and i can't i remember in episode 11 the lodger when she is flying the TARDIS, and I remember you guys talking on the podcast about how well she could fly it. So I think that's going to be the big reveal in the episode. The other thing that I think will be revealed is that the person who is controlling the TARDIS that River Song is in is actually the Dream Lord. I think the Dream Lord is going to find some way to help get River Song out of the TARDIS before it explodes. I think that possibly next season will probably begin the series without a TARDIS somehow. I think that will explain the, the words, silence will fall, because there'll be no noise in the TARDIS anymore. One other thing I remember from Amy's choice was the Dream Lord saying to Amy, you think that you're his real friend? He didn't even tell you his real name, but we know that River Song actually knows his real name. So I actually think that will be the big reveal, and I think the Dream Lord will be involved I don't think the the alliance between all the other aliens actually is real. I think it's just part of some dream fantasy, maybe cooked up by the Dream Lord or cooked up by Amy somehow. It's probably just a kooky theory, but I think maybe there might be some credence to it, especially the Dream Lord part anyway. Hello guys, this is Dan Caspi from Taos, New Mexico telling you what's going to happen in the Big Bang. The Doctor has been hiding in the TARDIS. He has taken the TARDIS and landed it inside the TARDIS because it's bigger on the inside. So there's a TARDIS within the TARDIS with the second Doctor there. Um, the things to make me think about this, 11th hour, um, when Amelia is going out to meet the Doctor, you see somebody walk past the window on the inside of the house. Um, Prisoner Zero was a snake. He didn't walk anywhere at that time. 
until he had bodies. So who was walking around the house? It was the doctor. And then in Flesh and Stone, oh, back to that, the um, Prisoner Zero refers to the doctor in the TARDIS. And in Flesh and Stone, Angel Bob says the doctor in the, in the TARDIS, which is another occurrence where the doctor appears when the doctor has already left the scene wearing a jacket once he's taken the jacket off. So the doctor in the TARDIS will save River Song from the exploding TARDIS by taking her inside the TARDIS that's in the TARDIS, so the TARDIS will explode but will still exist. Uh, that's my theory anyway. Um, hope you like it. Well, there we go. I, I particularly like that last one about the uh, TARDIS inside the TARDIS and the second Doctor inside the second TARDIS. Um, yes. Ooh, little bit Legopolis for me. It is but, a bit. Yeah, <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful if it came true? Because then, unfortunately, probably Tom's theory about the... Uh, jacketed doctor would be true as well so oh i would welcome tom being wrong in any way shape or form yeah so <laughs> I, I i also liked the piece of feedback um that was sent in by merck again uh, about the potential return of philip maddock to the series and um the reason why i mean i've just remembered this it has to, i have to be it has to be said um the reason why i think it's of particular interest is because philip maddock was at a dad's army event recently and he was asked by a member of the audience whether or not the rumors are true as to whether or not he is returning uh, to Doctor Who, the new series of Doctor Who. And his response was so angry and so aggressive that it made you think, well, maybe this person who asked the question, the poor person who asked the question, um, actually had hit, you know, precisely what is, is going to happen. So um, I, I don't think there's any real possibility of having, you know, there being a link with the Big Bang and the War Games. No. But whether or not Philip Maddock may be a special guest star in the finale, um, I think that could happen. And if that does happen, then it's something that I want to go back and revisit. I need to go and ask what other people thought who were at the same event I was. Mm-hmm. We'll have to wait and see. I suppose we've only got a couple of days till that happens, but uh, it's all the return will be revealed. Morbius, where are you, Morbius? Morbius oh. is behind all of this. There you are. That's our prediction. <laughs> Morbius is behind that, everything. <laughs> that can be our kooky theory of the week. It's all yes. Morbius. We've come up with our own kooky theory. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Rain in the jar. Can't wait to see it. Wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if it was true? Oh, dear. Scary, scary, scary. Well, you know, we, we just, uh, it, it's a massive shot in the dark, but you never know. <laughs> you never well, that know. might be it for this particular episode of the Doctor Who Podcast. What we'd just like to do a quick shout-out for is please start sending in your feedback as soon as the Big Bang credits roll this Saturday evening in the U of K. Um, Get on your MP3s, get on your iPhones, start recording your thoughts about what you thought of the episode, what you thought of the entire season. Because not only do we want to do a fan reaction episode to the Big Bang, we're also going to be doing a massive uh, episode covering the, the entire season. So start getting your audio feedback in about the, you know, the whole season in general, what you thought of it, um, what were the highs, what were the lows, um, please. Because we, we want to not only do your Big Bang feedback and that sounds so wrong uh we also want to uh get your feedback on the season as a whole so send it into feedback at the doctorpodcast.com enjoy the big bang this weekend it's going to be fantastic whatever happens um it'll be a fantastic end to the moffat first season of uh, doctor who guaranteed i'd say so uh enjoy it and we will see you all very early next week for uh, our team's opinion on the big bang so bye-bye james bye-bye trev and we will see you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Bye for now. That was the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.